I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. is not to come third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. We are competing to win. For a victory. Okay, welcome to episode 37, which is, uh, we're doing an open wheel racing episode, uh, Formula One and Formula E. Uh, we had the Canadian Formula One Grand Prix and the Moscow Formula E E-Prix over the weekend. Yeah. Um, both put up some fairly interesting results. They were. Um, um, Formula One, you sort of had not a great deal on track, but a little few surrounding things happening. But Formula E was just it was all over the shop. There was plenty happening on track and plenty, you know, having an effect on what the championship final round is going to be next or next oh, two weeks. There's been some massive developments off the track for Formula One, but uh, we'll get to them in a bit. But uh, first up, qualifying. Yeah. Um, the big news of qualifying was... Uh, Vettel starting at 16th, but, yep. um, mainly because he had just had a, a fucked up issue with his... Some of the electronics, I think. Yeah, with yeah. the electronics. Um, ERS. The um, engine and the electronic motor weren't working well together, apparently. Yeah, and they'd brought upgrades to this, this race. They had spent three tokens upgrading the engine, so it's probably surprising that they've got uh, some gremlins in there, but we weren't quite sure what they were, so I don't think they'll tell us either. So Yeah, and um, he had a penalty because he overtook uh, I think it was one of the manners yeah it was I think it was on the way back in free practice three uh, under red which to be honest I reckon they could give him a pass on that I mean shit the kids on bikes were overtaking those yeah exactly Um, and then you know he got put back five places Felipe Massa had a problem with his wastegate so he, he just had a crap run yeah and uh, Jensen Button had a whole phone book of problems so I think uh he got put back to Toronto. He had to start yeah. from a different time zone. Jensen's problem was driving a McLaren again. Yeah, and uh, funny you should mention that. Uh, during the race, I remember hearing Alonso just lose his shit. Yeah. Um, he had that, which has been requoted many, many times, saying it's making me look like an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the only reason we aren't hearing more out of that is because Alonso left Ferrari and they're now stonking it in, uh, yeah. taking it right to Mercedes. And he moved to McLaren for big money and with the arrogance that he was moving to a team on the up. Yep. And I reckon he is. I reckon McLaren will be around the mark next year and especially the year after. Yeah. But for now, he looks like a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, and that's it. But I'm sure he'd be smart enough to negotiate some performance clauses into his contract that will give him an out if they are shit again next year. Well, F1 contracts are remarkably unenforceable. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think Alonso will still be competitive. Um, mind you, I can imagine someone like a Red Bull or a, a Sauber throwing money at him. Yeah, and the thing was that um, uh, McLaren were talking, or not McLaren, but Honda had said that they spent engines to- tokens on their engine, but they weren't going to be performance upgrades. They're going to be reliability upgrades, which is what is most disappointing about Jensen having his problems and yeah. then starting from the back and still getting an immediate uh, drive-through penalty. I think he got. Yeah, so he just had a he had two formation laps essentially. Yeah. 
And I mean, you can see they're, just, they're dying just to go out and fight. And it looked like they, they've actually got pace if they can improve the reliability and, you know, obviously yeah, get a bit of integration with the engine and the chassis. Mm. And I think that's a, a big thing that people have underestimated because the engine is part of the chassis. Yeah. The way the engine's set up with the mountings and everything defines what sort of suspension you can have, yeah. uh, how it's all uh, all fits together and how it handles the ride. So yeah. if, if you're coming in new, uh, yeah. Honda, while they had... Uh, a rich history in F1 in the past, yeah. none of those blokes are probably there anymore. Yeah, exactly. And F1 has moved dramatically in the last 20 years. Yeah. So what worked brilliantly in the uh, early 90s now would be a waste of time. Yeah. Um, a lot of things now is also the packaging, yeah, allowing mm. that engine uh, room in certain areas for error advantage where you can make it tighter where it needs to be or exploit you know certain tunnels that are inside. But um, yeah, they're definitely way off the mark and... Uh, with promises of reliability and not performance, they thought they might take a bit of pressure off themselves and not expect them to make leaps forward but finish a race, and they haven't done either. Well, you think, what happens so often with these? The issue is really is cooling. Yeah. Um, because the electric motor and the batteries and the curves put out so much heat, yeah. uh, some of it goes into the heat exchanger, which then uh, recaptures some of that energy, but a lot of it just ends up fucking up your electronics. Yeah, well, most of it, they're trying to clear it out as efficiently as they can, so um, yeah. they won't overcook everything that's under the skin. Yeah. But, you know, in the end, the the race started pretty well, as you'd expect. Hamilton came yeah. out. Uh, Rosberg, I think uh, Raikkonen had a moderate start. Didn't do so well. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It was the start, you know, it was a pretty standard start for Canada. The um, two Mercedes got off the line pretty well and got away. Yeah. I guess one thing you'd say uh, for Ricardo, he didn't have a terrible start. No, he just had a terrible rest of the race. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's um, he he has struggled at ca- the Canadian Grand Prix yeah. in but the past, not withstanding his win there last year. Yeah, but um, yeah, for whatever reason, or for many reasons, Red Bull are just in the shit at the moment, uh, and that would have really stung when Carlos Sainz passed him in a legit pass. Yeah, like granted. Uh, Ricardo didn't defend it too vigorously. Yeah, but, well, uh, he was never gonna. Yeah, it, it's it's still kind of like your girlfriend beating you a bit. Yep. You can say I let you as much as you want. If she knows you didn't, <laughs> yeah, you're fucked. She's gonna walk around that black eye for a while. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was a, a decent enough race. Well, I um, think for our um our little what we do sort of a build up to it in our last episode. I think it pretty much lived up to those expectations. It was a race that was always going to suit Mercedes engine cars. Um, I think you even tipped Bottas getting on the podium. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think you can claim that one. And yeah, so it pretty much ran like that. You, you'd see, if you look at the, the finishing list, there's lots of groupings for the cars. You've got Mercedes, you know, Williams and Ferraris were thereabouts. And this was the race where Lotus could get up into some points with a Mercedes engine. So yeah, it went to how you expect. Not a lot of lot of interesting parts on track because it was a one-stopper, which is going to get you the best best result. And if you're a Mercedes-powered engine, you've got so much advantage on a, a slick, flowing track like the Canadian yeah, I mean, circuit. You look at uh, Massa and Vettel, they started from, was it... Uh, Vettel was on the back row, so he yeah. was next to Jensen. Yeah, they started from, I think, 17th and 18th. I think they are in front of Manor. Um, yeah. yeah, 16th and 17th. Vettel started 16th, Massa started 18th, and they finished uh, 5th and 6th. Yep. Which just shows Ferrari and Mercedes, they're the best engines out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by a fucking long shot. Exactly. Um, we're not seeing Sauber uh, really challenge anything, which yep. means that the Ferrari package is you know, a very tightly knit one. Um, yeah. You know, the Mercedes engine does quite well in the Force India especially. 
Uh, you see the decent straight line speed. Very hard to overtake in the DRS zones, even yeah. when the chasing car is DRS. Yep. Uh, Ferrari's engined vehicles aren't really having that same advantage, uh, especially Manor. Yeah, but they said they've caught up, uh, I think they said about 20 uh, kilowatts with this new engine upgrade on mm. the Mercedes. But um, it seems like they're getting it together and the the results from this race were true. It was kind of hiding the potential of the Ferrari because problems with um, the qualifying with Seb and also with Raikkonen having another spin coming out of a slow corner, which was kind of concerning. He's blaming it on the car and saying it's happened before, but I mean, you don't see better or, or anyone else doing it. So it's kind of, you've got to be able to adapt to that, I think. Yeah, I I did um, hear the call on the radio where he was saying that it was a peaky delivery yeah. in the low-end talk, but that's that's the same car you've been driving, mate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Raikkonen knows how to drive cars, no doubt, yep. but he just got it wrong. And I have heard someone talk, it might have been Hamilton talking about these type of cars versus uh, old era cars, and he said the the um, response on the throttle is just completely different because those tiniest little millimetres make a huge difference in mm. how that power is delivered mm. with that much torque. And so it is possible to be able to touch it a bit too hard and turn uh, and spin the car on a slow corner. But you've got to be good enough to, to anticipate that happening. Well, yeah, back in the day, they used to blow through a turbo every session, really. Yeah, just about. Um, you'd go through one qualifying, they'd tear it off, put a new one in, yep. and go through one in the race. Um, and they were very, uh, very large turbos. Yeah. They provided a shit ton of power. Whereas the new ones, uh, the twin scrolls, they have a lot quicker delivery, uh, not as much high-end power, because you're very rarely um, able to take advantage yeah. of the full turbo spool. So there'd, there'd be no point adding in a, a massive disco potato. Well, I reckon they, they should at least be able to replace them every every race and you could sell them. That way, stick one in the Tirana. Oh, be sweet. Be kind of, I think it'd be kind of fucked. But um, yeah, I mean, the other thing is too, you look at the result and only one car wasn't powered by Mercedes or Ferrari in the top 10, which was Kvyat. And, you know, mind you, there's only four cars that aren't. Yeah. Renault powered <laughs> yep. Toro Rosso and Red Bull. Yep. But uh it, it just it's such an advantage having a decent engine. Yeah. You know, you need it. And Kvyat has uh, been getting a bit of a file on his ass by Helmut Marco, so it's good for him to sort of outperform all the other uh Renault engines and everyone else under the Red Bull umbrella. Um it shows that he responded well to pressure and you know. Yeah. I mean the other thing with the Honda engine, um it's one thing to be slow which they are yeah. uh, another thing to be unreliable which they are but they're also inefficient yep. um, Alonso and Button were both told to lift off early yeah because um, they wouldn't have fuel to make it to the end and in the end Button's like fuck it I'll just I'll save fuel early and I'll have fun at the end yeah. and then he had to retire anyway uh, yeah that's been a pretty much standard um, measure for McLaren and that's why Alonso I think was so pissed off well yeah when they said uh, Alonso you need to lift off and save fuel and he had his big big tantrum where he's like you're making me look like an amateur and yep. went all about that which you know if you're a former world champion you don't really want to be told to lift off because you're going to get overtaken by every numpty that's driving around yeah, well regardless if you're a racing car driver you don't want to be told you have to save fuel at lap 15 or whatever it was it's pretty ridiculous I mean it's the only chance he's going to get to be able to fight with someone and have a bit of fun as a race car driver and that was his what he was saying afterwards was that he wanted to be able to have that part of the part of the race where he fights and then try and save at the end. And I think he's probably taken in mind that there's a good chance he's not going to reach the end anyway, so you may as well try and do what you can with what you got. Well, and the thing with that, Alonso has been renowned for his reliability, his ability to drive cars that are fairly, well, 
quite unmanageable yeah. and be consistent. This is his third retirement in a row. Yep. Uh, I can't imagine that would be anything that's happened to him in his career ever. No. Um, so it just shows you've got two former world champions driving those cars. Yep. Uh, you've got McLaren, which is an outfit that knows what it's doing. Yep. The only thing that's really changed is Honda's come in and yep. fucked them right in the asshole, pretty much. And I think one of the bad things from this might be from their younger driver program, because they've got Van Dorn and Magnussen just waiting in the wings, and they're definitely F1 quality drivers, and they're going to want to get in there. Yeah. And if their McLaren is not good, then those younger drivers who are coming through those programs are going to go, well, really, I've got Red Bull programs, you've got Mercedes programs, and you've got um, your... McLaren program with the Red Bull program you've got four cars in F1 that you can choose from well not that you can choose from that you have a chance to get to see that uh, with Mercedes you've got pretty much half the other grid with Mercedes engine so there's lots of opportunities to go into other seats there so it's not really looking that good to go through the McLaren driver program at the moment because there's not a lot of options if you want to get to F1 yeah I, I do think it's going to change though I think we're going to see a lot more come up I hope so because I like McLaren and I, I want to see them do well and get back to the top and I like Honda as well so I really want to get their shit together and, and start trying to succeed. But Eric Boulias was saying that one of the problems has been just the communication and the integration with, with Honda as a company. He said that they're a little bit hands-off with McLaren and McLaren are trying to say, look, we've got people who are very talented in this and we know what we need to do. So how about mm. we send some of our guys over to your factories and we work with you side by side and we'll get through it together. And I think that's been one of the, the main the main things with their public front with trying to work with Honda and that is that you have to be culturally considerate of how they operate as well, where sort of shaming them in public is not going to do very well for your relationships. You're not going to get your people in there. No, the Japanese companies don't respond very well to that at all. Yeah. Um, so I think they're playing it well. Yeah. It's it's always going to be a longer-term thing. Yeah. But Honda are willing to stick it out for the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to have rewards in the end with it. I think they will. It's just a matter of... Um, working together and I mean you can never really trust what Bully or Rodden are sustain at any given time so I think they'll eventually figure it out but uh, if it won't be this season I, I wouldn't expect yeah well there has been a lot of talk off track about uh, what's going to happen with the uh, new regs yeah. when they come in in 2017 mm. um, I've got a few ideas with it one thing I quite like is if yep. they people are saying you know why does F1 have to be green and the answer is it doesn't Yep. You don't have to make it green. But having the electric engine makes sense for performance. Yeah. You look at cars like, a, I think it was a McLaren P1, was a hybrid. Yep. And that thing just tears the road up. Yeah. Um, having the instant available torque of an electric engine mated with the you know ease of use of an internal combustion engine just makes mm. sense. Yeah. Uh, and I think going forward, that's something they're going to try and do. And I, I would find it interesting if they had a, a peak output of the engine. Yep. Say limit it to nine hundred and fifty horsepower. Yeah, how you split that between the electric and the internal combustion is up to you. Yeah. So if you want to go a turbo, it's fine. Yep. Peak power can't exceed that when linked with the um, electric engine. If you want to go a supercharger, fine. Yep. Same rules apply. If you want to go natural aspirated, same rules apply. Yep. Um, I think what you'd find there is that some people go, well, we're going to have a big turbo mm. and have awesome peak power, but we'll have some nice low end torque as well. Yeah. Um, so we might have a 1.5 liter engine with a decent size turbo, and you know a, a fair size um, curve electric system. engine. Yeah. And then other people are going to go. Well, we want instant acceleration, so we'll have a, a big uh, electric engine and yeah. made it with. Oh, uh, we might go with a supercharger. Yeah. Just yeah. because a bit lower heat, um, still get a bit more instant torque. Yeah. But you'll suffer on the high end, so mm. you're, you're kind of hoping DRS helps you 
um, with overtaking. Yeah. And it just, it'd allow different approaches. Yeah. Um, I think the development on that would be expensive, but it's expensive anyway. Because if one company is developing a 1.5 litre um, turbocharged engine, yeah. what they spend doesn't mean that the other company developing a 1.5 litre turbocharged engine saves any money. Yeah. Because it, it's parallel streams. So it's not going to be any more expensive for individual teams. Yeah, but the the only problem is that you, if you want to try and even out the playing field, where if you, you want more money, you can develop, you can spend time researching all your different components. Whereas someone like Williams, who's got maybe you know fifty million, they can only sort of spend their money researching one little part about this and one little part about something else, and then trying to develop those two in the season coming. Whereas you still need to be able to control um, how much you can spend on developing those things. Yeah. So the concept of of having that power split is good for driving technology, but you still got control how they're going to spend the money in in researching those sorts of things because that's what's where you're going to become really expensive. Yeah, but that's also where the big companies spend the money anyway. Um, you, they well, that's they it. put their hand up and say we want to reduce costs, but they they really don't. Oh um, no, they're not going to because they they want to reduce costs as much as possible while they're still winning. Well, it's yeah. Well, there's been lots of sort of um, progress on what's going on behind the scenes at the Canning Grand Prix. There was a meeting between the heads of McLaren, Mercedes, Red Bull, Big and boys, yeah. Williams. And what they suspect is happening is that the top four teams are making a play to take control of Formula 1 financially off from CVC for when Bernie kicks the bucket. Because apparently Bernie's, I mean, he's the one that's keeping Formula 1 in CVC. And with all the court mm. cases going on, it's looking like they might might get sort of moved along or that share might come up for option. But And the thing is, they don't want someone like um, Bernie or investment firms coming in and taking complete financial control because car companies like, well, we can do that ourselves. So yeah. we want to give that money to us. Well, you should mention that too. The big rumor going around is that, uh, and you know, just a rumor, but uh, Colin Collers, uh, Colin Coles, yeah. former Caterham lad. Yeah, he's been around... Formula One for a farewell. Yep, uh, not linked with it at the moment. And the story is that he might be a bloke who's making a bit of a complaint to the European Commission about what F1 does in the business yep. side of things, being anti-competitive. Yep. Um, F1 would really fucking like to avoid that. Yeah. Just because they don't want to even look too closely at things. Yeah. Uh, especially things like Ferrari getting the cream off the top of the money before it goes to anyone else. Yeah. Um, because it is anti-competitive. And especially with the prize money, the way it's weighted. Yep. Um, I think they'd really rather avoid it. And the European Commission, if they get a complaint, they really have to look strong because they fucking let FIFA get away with shit for ages. Well, well given the US came well, in and said, you fucked up. Well, given that point, they're probably for sale anyway. So for, <laughs> if it's a heaps of money, they probably buy whatever result they want from those courts. Yeah, sure enough. But, uh, well, it, it could be quite interesting. Um, it could be one of those things where they threaten to make the complaint just to get certain concessions made. Yeah. But uh, if that complaint goes through, I think Bernie might be through. Yeah, well, the thing is, there's, in F1, nothing is ever taken on face value. There's always something behind mm. the scenes going on. There's always ulterior motives. There's always power plays. And... Well, and Bernie always had his tame journos as well who tell exactly the story he wants told. Oh, yeah, Bernie's not not one to go around spreading rude slander and gossip, is he? Yeah, no. But anyway, we'll go back to the Canadian Grand Prix. The, yeah. the entertaining part, the crashes. Yep. Um, we did see... Vettel and Hulk come together. Yep. And my instant reaction was that uh, Vettel didn't give Hulkenberg room. Yeah. Which I don't think he did. Uh, the first radio message he had was, uh, "I did not hit him. I did not. I, I did not hit him." 
I did not touch him, sorry. Yeah. Um, it looked like he did to me, but then again, the stewards have more camera angles than I do, and, you know, they said it was all fine, just a racing incident. Yeah. But uh, it looked like Vettel just got a little bit over-aggressive there. Yeah. I mean, I thought it, it, maybe it was... It was. I think it was racing incident first. I don't think there should be any penalty for that. I think, especially those drivers where they're they both good drivers, both know what they're doing, um, both can be aggressive and push the line. And you know, maybe that was over the line, maybe not. But I think if you have to decide like that, then they've come out and said they don't want to be too restrictive on the drivers being aggressive. So I think they won't just let it go as racing incident. And I think that's why having a bloke like Alan Jones in the stewards' office yeah. is really handy because he's a guy that understands aggressive, solid racing. Yeah. And how that's different from being a cock. Yeah. Um, well, you've never given him, give him anything? Or? No, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Uh, the only penalty he gave out was Grosjean, yeah. which was quite possibly the dumbest fucking move I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, just just stepped on his toes. I mean, especially when you're taking the back markers. Yeah. What a moron. Uh, and the funny thing is, the first thing he said on the radio too was, he hit me, hit me. Yeah. No, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, you cut right across him, gave yourself a puncture. Yeah, and it, even Stevens came out afterwards and he said, look, I mean, obviously we're coming last by a long way, but you still have to be careful when you overtake us because, you know, we mm. you, you can't... He said Grosjean kept on cutting him off. Every time he gets overtaken, he kept on just cutting him off, trying to step on his toes. Well, he, he did say that on the radio straight yeah. after. He was like, so stupid. He comes across me every time. Yeah. Is that what we going to do? Go off the road? Yeah. Um, and you've got to account for that. Yeah. Like, he didn't have to cut across. He could have just yeah. stuck on the inside line. and. Yeah. Because it was, I think, I think it was under blue flags, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have yeah. been. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. he, he could have just backed out. Yeah, but uh, you can't expect him to back out into the fucking wall. Yeah, but the thing is, you literally just chopped him off. Like, so he he can't he can't break mm. in time to stop that accident happening. The only thing he do is try and swerve. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it's pretty hard when there's grass there. So what are you going to do? Look, Grosjean, he's he's not great. Yeah, and uh, he has been sort of known for not being too aware when he's driving. So. You'd well, hope that he would have moved past those sort of things. The good thing about it, though, is in the past, some of those moves, they've been looked at for 10 laps. Yeah. And then yeah. 10 laps later, the driver gets a penalty. Yeah. Whereas this one, and I do think it's Alan Jones. Yeah, me you, too. You just see him, it looked like they're lip red. Yeah. And he's gone, fuck him, five seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> instant, done. Yeah. Move on. Uh, yep. I dare say none of them are going to argue with Alan Jones to his face. Yep. I'm sure he wouldn't give a fuck if they did. <laughs> no, he'd tear them strips and then probably throw them out a window. But yep. uh, no, I'd... I thought that was a fair penalty. In yeah, yeah, I thought that was. I thought they got the stewarding right in that race. Yeah, I mean, he also had to jump in the pit straight away, and I think they put on the wrong set of boots. Did they? Yeah, they only had the um, the harder tyres yep. available at the time because yep. the accident happened right on the pit lane entrance. Oh, um, yeah. So they popped on the harders rather than the super softs, which would have made yep. more sense because there's only about 10 laps to go at that stage. Yep. But, ah, uh, oh, look. Are there any other crashes? Is that it? Those are the two big ones. Yeah. Um, I think there are a few other ticky touches, but nothing that was really worth looking yeah. at. And we have, to, we have to give a shout out to Pastor Maldonado because we give him shit when he crashed into everyone, but he managed to more or less stay out of it. Had a few little rubs here and there, but finished a strong seventh place for um, Lotus and under pressure to keep his seat next season. Probably not going to happen, but got to give credit where it's due. He drove a good enough race and deserved the points. He had an average race, <laughs> but... For him, that's well, an improvement. Well, I want to get some sort of brownie points so I can slam him next race again. So if he does something good, I feel if I give him some praise and I can build up enough credit to you know, give him shit next time when he crashes. Well, it's only the second race he's finished this year. Um, yeah. He finished in Bahrain, uh, 15th and a lap down. But yep. uh, other than that, in round one, he retired at the first corner. 
Yep. Uh, round two in Malaysia. Uh, lap 46, his brakes went. But, you know. I'm surprised he knew he has brakes. Well, yeah. And then the same thing happened at lap 49 in China. But mm-hmm. uh, it's been rear brakes both times. Yep. Which generally means he's cooking them a bit. And it could also be something to do with the harvesting of energy under braking as well. Yeah, true enough. Quite have figured out their, their systems. Yeah. And then in Spain, collision, lap 45. Uh, round six Monaco, brakes again, lap five. Um, Jesus. They say brakes, but I think a lot of that, he's just sort of, he's gone rubbing into the wall a bit. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because he didn't break. Well, maybe so. And then, you know, Canada, six points, finished seventh. And that's been his best spot so far, um, which puts him at 15th on the Drivers' Championship. But yep. uh, compare that to Grosjean, who has not had a great season. Yeah. Uh, round one, his engine fucked up on lap one. Yeah. So neither of their cars were going after lap one. Yep. Um, Malaysia, 11th with a lap down. Yeah. Uh, China, 7th. Yep. Uh, 14 seconds behind the leader, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Bahrain, 7th again. Uh, almost a lap down. Yep. Uh, Spain, 8th, lap down. Monaco, 12th. I mean, you're always going to be on the opening lap in Monaco if you're in the yeah. top, uh, top 15 generally. And then Canada, 10th. Uh, and even though he hasn't had a great season, yep. he's sitting 9th with 17 points. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would be... I would not want either of them at my team next year if I was only Yeah, place. I think the only, the only thing he could probably hang his hat on was that he wasn't the last Mercedes-powered engine. True. So that's Perez behind him. Yeah, but... It was it's nowhere most of the race, to be honest. Yeah. It's... Perez has also had a shitty year. Yeah. Uh, he, he's had mixed results, but generally shitty. And when we compare, like, you've always got to beat the block next year. Yep. Um, Grosjean's just lucky that Maldonado's having a fuck-tarded year. Yeah. But um, if you look at a couple of other teams, like yes, Red Bull, yeah. uh, Ricardo's seventh at the moment, um, Kvyat's eighth. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, you know, fairly consistent results. Uh, 13th being, at Canada, being Ricardo's worst, worst result of the season. Yeah. Uh, the first time he hasn't got in the points for this year, whereas Kvyat had that DNF with a gearbox on in Australia. Yeah. And also his engine fucked up on in China. So without those, he'd actually be challenging Ricardo. I mean, they're 7th and 8th, but Ricardo's got 35 points to Kvyat's 19. So yeah. he's, he's got 26 points. Uh, oops, sorry, 16 points in hand, um, which is, you know, it's hard to make up these days, especially when you're in... The same yeah. vehicle. And the only thing is, you're going to get lots of reliability issues coming in with engine penalties and things like that towards the end of the season. So mm. it's going to be a crapshoot for Renault-powered engines on yeah. who's going to be where because it doesn't matter how good you qualify, if you're going to get a, a 5 or 10 grid penalty, mm. yeah, it's going to compromise your race. And- well, it'd be funny if they do that because um, Horner has come out and said that he doesn't care if Renault uses a different engine each session yep. as long as the engine's improving, Yeah, which is, is true. But then if Kvyat is continually getting spanked. I mean, he did well in Canada, but there's yep. a lot of pressure on him coming in because yep. Ricardo's been pulling his pants down. Yeah. Uh, do they then go, well, champ, you have your chance. Um, we've got Verstappen and Sainz, who are both doing pretty damn well in yep. what you would think are inferior cars. Yeah. Uh, both of them beat the Red Bulls this week. Yep. And they've out-qualified the Red Bulls a couple of times too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a good point. It's definitely in line with Red Bull's principle on driver movements. But I think maybe they might just take a look at Kvyat and say, we gave him, what was it, one season in the um, Toro Rosso or whatever, and oh, that was two. I can't remember. That was two. And then chucked him in Red Bull and maybe thought they could have done a third year in the sister team and given him a bit of chance to, I don't know, maybe need one more season, wasn't fresh enough. Well, actually, one thing I fresh. thought about with... Uh, with Red Bull's current woes, yep. 
it seems to me that a lot of the issue could be that they don't have a senior driver, as yeah. in a driver who's used to developing a car. But yep. Ricardo and Kvyat are both fast. Yeah. Uh, we know that. But neither of them have been around long enough to give proper feedback to the engineers about how the car feels. Yeah. yeah. They don't know what to notice. Yep. So when the car's slightly squeaky on certain corners, you know, an experienced driver can say, well, the rear suspension needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ricardo might just say, oh, my rear tyres are wearing out. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not by personal experience. I can't say how mechanically yeah. minded Ricardo is. I'm sure is. I don't hear anything squeaking on that no. fucking engine, <laughs> to be honest. But, but the principle what you're saying, yeah, is yeah. right. Yeah. Um, they don't have the time in the seat to develop a car. Exactly. Uh, whereas, look at guys like the old statements, like, like Weber. Yeah. Uh, he was very good at developing a car, and Sebastian Vettel is also fantastic at it too. Yeah. I would not say it wouldn't be because he learned a bit from Weber. Oh, doing that. Vettel openly admits that. He said he was a very handy driver to drive against because of his experience, and he'd learn a lot from him. And, you know, I think you're right with that, is that you, you, get, you get that from experiencing things going wrong, and that's what it is. It's not from being really good at what you're doing, it's from experiencing the tough times and going through problems and having to troubleshoot. Exactly. And what, you, what you're really doing is just shortcutting the work that the engineers have to do, because they yep. will eventually figure it out. It's just a matter of how can your input make it in a, a time-sensitive manner. Yeah, it's looking in the right areas. So yeah, exactly. If, if the driver can point to a, a general area, like, yeah. you know... Um, it's a sixth sense, is what it is. Yeah, like the rear seems light, the front yep. front left seems heavy. Yeah, um, you know the car's not towing in properly. They can give directed feedback, and the yeah. engineers can look, spend all their time looking at one particular area. Yeah, um, rather than just having the, the, a basic overview. The drivers can pick up on cues that the um, from skills that they've developed from their years of driving a car that the mechanics can't mm. pick up as quick from their years of you know doing mechanical shit. So the driver has to figure out what sort of inputs is coming in sensory to him and how that relates to what's going on with the car and then trying to communicate that across to the engineers. And it just takes time to be able to develop that and understand what that feeling means with what's going on with the car. Yeah. Um, I mean, when we look at the Verstappen and Sainz, um, 14th and 13th, Sainz is doing pretty well, actually. He's got nine yep. points versus Verstappen's yep. six. But again, Verstappen's been cursed with some shitty bloody issues like he's yeah he's lost his engine in australia drivetrain went in china electrical issue in the bahrain uh and then collision in monaco lap 62 with just 15 laps remaining yep. um so i reckon he was worth a few points in quite a few of those races yeah so that's, that's he'd be point. taken up to saints if he hadn't been unlucky i mean the only retirement yep. saints has got when his wheel came off yeah in uh bahrain but yeah, i think um, definitely right yeah you know i I think both of those drivers are doing damn well. And if yep. it's going to be hard for Red Bull to keep a hold of Kvyat, Sainz, and Verstappen. Um, yeah. Probably Verstappen would be easy because they just need to give his old man a job because I don't think <laughs> yep. Verstappen can sign anything yeah. yet. <laughs> uh, he's not legally old enough. But yeah. um, look, you see some of the drivers who will be looked at, yep. uh, especially when we talk about people in Formula E who are having decent success. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull is obviously still has... Uh, open talks with Boemi and he's doing quite well in Formula E and then you've got uh, Al Jaswari even young Nicholas Prost who's looking quite well and I'm sure he wouldn't mind jumping into Formula 1 yeah well I think the thing there is that Renault might be pulling out uh, Formula 1 altogether and I I know they're building an engine for Formula E for I think it's 2017 when they'll start to open up developments so I'd be surprised if Renault start just looking full time at Formula E and I mean with Prost having a very close relationship with Renault could see an easy slot in there, and maybe they'll, he'll be riding that wave of Formula E as that gets popular. Well, we'll talk about the Formula E race then. Yep. Um, 
because the Canadian Grand Prix pretty much finished like that. You've got uh, Hamilton, Rosberg. Uh, Hamilton was sort of a bit fuel-saving towards the end. Rosberg was trying to chase him, but it was yeah. not going to really happen. Yeah, um, He had him well in hand. And then yep. Bottas finishing the top three, which, again, Bottas is going strength to strength. Um, yeah. I think once they get that package right, he could really cause some hassles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was only Massa's problems that had him not finishing up there at the top. Well, yeah, he finished third in the well, what's probably the sixth, uh, fifth or sixth best car on the grid. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's shooting above his average there. But um, yeah, look at FE. Um, one thing that I don't think is rated highly enough in Formula E yep. is how fucking gorgeous the racetracks are. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of them. Well, <laughs> see, the one the one hosted at the front of a fucking abandoned airport terminal wasn't terribly crash hot. Let's <laughs> that be honest. Was ordinary. But um, you know. In the background, you've got the Kremlin, you've got uh, St. Peter's Cathedral, or St. Yeah. Petersburg Cathedral, sorry. Um, and everything looked just spectacular. <laughs> yeah, they've cleaned out the heroin addicts hanging around. Yeah, too. yeah, probably. They might have shot them or dumped them in the bay. Yeah, that all there, you know, hold the flags. But um, no, and the thing is, too, having a, a race from, from electric cars, you know, no pollution, low noise impact, um, yep. it just opens things up so much. And this is still really the first season of Formula E. Yep. So a lot of cities will be looking at that and going, geez, you know, yeah. rather than have the F1 circuits come to town and cost us $150 million, yeah. we can have Formula E come, yep. get probably, oh, let's be honest, it's probably only about 20% of the exposure, yep. but for about 5% of the cost. Yeah, exactly. And also you can have it in your backyard. You know Pretty what I mean? much, they, yeah. They don't need an established circuit. You just chuck it on a street, block it off, and they'll go for it. Yeah, and, you know, the teams are pretty small because there's no uh, in-race pitting as a matter of course I mean they do uh, switch off wings and that sort of thing when necessary but uh, there's not a full 20 man team with telemetry out the arsehole and uh, all that sort of shit happening so it's a much smaller scale event but the the racing is fantastic yeah the racing's just I mean it borders on dodgem cars mixed with go-karts more or less and you've got F1 level drivers in there I mean uh, we look well, at, that's debatable. <laughs> well, drivers that have been there, in there were some that had a crack at it. Well, you've got uh, PK, Degrassi, Heidfeld, Vern, um, uh, Buemi, De Costa, he was in there, D'Ambrosio, Chandok, Aljaswari, uh, Bruno Senna, Liuzzi, Trulli. Um, all of those guys have got F1 experience. Yep. Uh, all of those guys probably love to get back to F1 as well. Yep. But well, um, most of them, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see PK ever getting back there, to be honest, after his. Uh, crash well yeah uh, <laughs> I mean if you watched the Formula E you would have saw they're not fans of Truly and I have to agree that oh, he's not that great fuck me he drove me nuts but anyway we'll go through the go through the race yep. um, I actually thought Buemi was primed for this one because so did Buemi yeah I rate Buemi really highly uh, I think he's a, a top level driver yep unfortunately he while he um, qualified fourth I believe um, where I qualified Yeah, yeah, Wemi fourth, yeah. qualified fourth, uh, starting from there, and was looking pretty damn good. He was able to keep his uh, energy levels pretty much yeah. uh, 9 to 10% above PK. Yep. But uh, unfortunately, when he came in for his compulsory pit stop, his team <laughs> thought it was a 68-second minimum yep. when it's only 58. Yep. Um, so they held him for 10 seconds longer than they needed to, yep. which reduced all that fucking advantage. And yep. then to top it off, they released him into another car, yeah, which got too. him a, a 29-second penalty after the race. Yeah, and Nick, um, Nick got held back for the extra 10 seconds as well, just to make sure it was, uh, all, it was all fair. What 
what a fuck up. Yeah. Like, that's one of those unforgivable fuck ups. Someone got an ass reaming for that. Yeah. But um, it's a crying shame because in the last lap, when we managed to overtake um, Heidfeld. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Vern. Uh, well, the thing is, it all happened in that last last lap, and um, Buemi would have been up there around Nelson Piquet by then, and it would have made just a absolutely fantastic last last lap, just bonanza. Yeah, and that's the the good thing about Formula E as well is that in the last lap they can use all the power they've got, so they yeah. can really turn the wick up and go all hell for leather. Yeah. Um, which is one thing I do like. Uh, they've got enough power to make it to the end. Every yeah, exactly. car has that. Yeah. But you've got to manage it a little bit. Yeah. So you've got your cruising speed, and yep. then when necessary, you can give it a bit of more kick. Yeah. Um, yeah, just unfortunately for Wemmy, it just didn't work out. Well, he's got shafted by it. I mean, anyone chucking 10 seconds on your time just doesn't really help. Yeah. but You could have gone heaps better, but... PK was in front and stuck there. Um, he, he opened up a nice gap. Yeah. He kind of gambled on... Uh, having no safety car. Well, he hammered it with the first with the first car, so I mean, you got that three second, three second, four second advantage by burning up heaps of his his uh, energy. I think he might have stopped on like lap sixteen or something as well, which is not even halfway. Yeah, well, his fastest lap was a one eleven point nine on lap six. Yeah, so he obviously burned it up in the first car. Um, yeah. Whereas the fastest lap of the race was again Buemi, um, yeah. and he did that on lap thirty two. So just a couple of laps to go, he turned the wick right up. Yeah. That um, unfortunately still not enough to really matter when you get that heavy penalty. Yeah, and if you could see sheepish uh, Alain Prost was talking it through and saying, "Look, we just fucked up, more or less." He was sheepish when he was talking to the reporters, but you can guarantee yeah. once the cameras are off, he's flipping tables yeah. out the back there. The fuck is this? Because he he may seem um, quite cool, calm, and collected, but there's no way known a driver with his experience and his ability <laughs> is not fucking competitive as hell. Yeah, so. You know, any driver, you lose a tenth and they're pissed. Mm. You lose a second and they're ropeable. You lose ten seconds yeah. on them. <laughs> Fuck me, they're going to get stabbed. <laughs> they're ready to fight. But um, yeah, anyway, PK finishing for Team China next. Ev. Yeah, and you notice his uh, partner Antonio Garcia finished nineteenth. So I mean, I don't know much about the team uh, next. Ev Team China, but I mean, if you give your your partner a whooping like that, you must be doing something right. Well, no, the thing is, China's got a one-child policy. Oh, shit, so, that's right. Yeah, Garcia was actually euthanized around lap 20. He was actually being chased around the track while people with axes trying to knock him on the head. But um, well, other ones to come out. I, I think Degrassi did quite well. He was quite consistent. He did. Uh, he didn't go chasing PK down yeah. uh, necessarily. Yeah. He probably let him get out to a bit too much of a lead. Yeah. But uh, obviously he was trying to manage his power a bit too. Yeah. Um, the one that stood out to me though was Yano Trulli uh, for a guy with F1 experience and he's in his own fucking car yeah um, he was shit house. he was he was terrible uh, it's like he knows he can't get sacked because you know being the team owner yeah uh, it's kind of hard to get sacked but he was the worst driver on the fucking grid oh it was terrible uh, I mean he, he held up uh, who, was, who was behind him for ages I think it might have been De Costa uh, uh, Duval, I believe. Duval, was it? Yep. Actually, let's be honest. Most people were probably behind him for ages if you were behind him. But um, uh, just held up his ability to get get ahead and really chase down and make an exciting finish. It was almost like there was a movable speed bump during the Grand Prix and it was truly. And you just had to give, have your time to get over him in order to be able to use your energy. And on top of that, he took the... Um cut the corner of the chicane four times. Yeah. Four fucking times. 
That was comical. And you just, you cannot do that. <laughs> well, especially just unpunished at the time. Uh, who, was he, who was behind him? Fuck, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, uh, it ripped him off getting past him four times. And eventually they went, fuck it. I'm just going to try and hit him and get around him. And they did. Yeah, and on top of that, he was woefully inefficient. Yep. He was the heaviest power user yep. of the entire Grand Prix. Um, so he's slow. He cheats. And he uses lots of power doing it. Yep. And he finished 18th. Um, granted, he got a penalty just because of all that bullshit. But uh, the penalty wasn't for this race. It's for the next race. He gets uh, a, I think some people gave him, or a few people gave him a few touches in the last lap too, just as a thanks for that. Oh, jeez. That's right. Duval ran right up his ass. Yeah. That's... Ran right up the top of him. <laughs> fucked his wing. I think that was a, I don't give a fuck anymore. I've had enough. Uh, well, apparently come down to that, um, that corner. If it's too bumpy and if you step out, um, well, on offline, the, the rear end will step out, and you saw it happen quite quite a few times yeah. in the last few laps. I think Wilson did it as well, and you just got no control. Mm. But I mean, they wouldn't have been too unhappy with that happening truly because it allowed everyone else to be able to get past and be able to do something. Well, yeah. Um, who wasn't managed to skip through? I think it was Wilson that managed to take full advantage of that and just skip right on through because those two came together and he just uh, powered through on. Yeah, and loving life. But um, yeah, it's just. Also, Jean Varane got touched up in the last lap too to allow Heidfeld through for third place. I think there was a good little scrap there with uh, I think it was Duran, Vern, Heidfeld all going for that third place. Vern, Heidfeld, Buemi. Buemi, sorry, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, well, we talked about Buemi being unlucky, but he still managed to pick up a couple of points for fastest lap. Yep. Which I honestly think that should be something they bring into F one as well. Points yeah. for fastest lap, points for pole. Yep. Um, especially when you see in qualifying people sort of leaving the car in the garage. Yeah. But. Uh, I think they should give points. So do I. I think it'll make it more exciting. But the only problem is is that with fuel saving, it's pretty hard to be able to have legitimate fastest laps. I mean, if, I want to, if there's a fastest lap, I want to have them going hell flat all the time trying to get that. Ah, fuck. I want them to second guess each other. I want Vettel to be driving along going, yeah, I've got this. And then Verstappen or someone pips him by a tenth and he's like, well, fuck. I don't know if I can afford to turn the wick up, but oh, I might get points. But the other thing is too, you'll see guys from 11th onwards who aren't scoring points otherwise yeah. go, well, fuck it. If I run out of fuel, I don't care. I'm not scoring yeah. points anyway. I may as well go. Yeah, Last five laps, do quality laps. A lot of times they're 11th because they can't get a faster lap anyway. So yeah, very <laughs> so true. make a whole lot of difference with them getting a faster lap. But you, know, you can see guys who've maybe had a spin or maybe yeah. lost a front wing or had a puncture. I mean, look at it. I think it was Rackenen got faster lap for the Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah. And that's his 42nd. And I was saying that makes him second all-time fastest lap in, in Formula 1 history. Yeah. Uh, a little sneaky record there that I had no idea about. No, it just shows that he is a quality, quality driver. Well, they're talking about his problems in qualifying and just one lap speed he isn't there with qualifying, but with a record like 42 laps of 42 fastest laps in his career, you can't really... He's definitely able to put together that fast lap. It's just a matter of why can't he do it in qualifying. He just seems like a rhythm driver. Yeah, like, true. Uh, he gets in a rhythm and he does his lap. Yeah. And then next lap he tries to just shave off those little tiny ten, uh, tiny hundredths and thousands of seconds and yeah. just progressively gets quicker and quicker. Uh, yeah. When you see him in traffic, he's not that brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he's not the best passer going around, but uh, as a, uh, a racecraft driver, he is fantastic. His yeah. ability to just shave little bits off and find that little bit of time is yeah. fantastic. And I, I know there's been a lot of pressure on him, uh, especially relating to Vettel, because Vettel's been given a bit of a pantsing. Mm. But honestly, keep Ricardo, uh, keep uh, Raikkonen there as long as possible. Well, I mean, Ferrari uh, uh, is sort of heading exactly how they want. They want sort of one key driver they can have, another one thereabouts that'll do do their 
uh, helping developing the car and also giving them points to win constructors. Yeah. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So. Yeah, but I mean, getting back into Formula E, you've got a few guys there who've been in the Ferrari system. Yeah. Um, I know Prost definitely has links with Ferrari. Ferrari have uh, had chats with Elaine. Yeah, well, I think uh, D'Ambrosio uh, was Ferrari, Yeah, he was thereabouts for quite a while. Um, um, and Degrassi, I think, might have been there for a couple of seasons. There'd be a few other guys Some that uh, have had chats. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Liuzzi and Trulli were linked with them at one stage. Yeah, I was going to say, well, Lang got kicked out of there for calling a truck, didn't he? Yeah. Kicked out midway season. But, um, yeah, well, you know. He was right, though. So. Yeah, yeah. He was very right. But, you know, honestly, I think Formula E is coming along really quite nicely. Definitely. And, I mean, leading into the season finale in two weeks' time in London, we've got a, a double header, which is, I don't know if that's the first one for the race, but it's a great idea for a finale. Uh, six people in, in with the chance of winning the championship. So it's going to be an absolutely amazing last round. I can't wait for it. It would be kind of funny, though, because it's a, a doubleheader. So how do they handle the recharge? What's the recharge time in the cars? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, do they bring four cars, or how's it all work? Or do they just bring extra batteries or some shit? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Hmm. I'll have to figure that out before it happens, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> it could be kind of funny. They just drive around with extension cords. Uh, you can imagine EDAM's getting there. Oh, shit, we forgot about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be pretty interesting. But um, Well, the other thing to come out in the week was also the constructors for next year. Yep have um, actually come up with the crash testing. So okay. that the crash testing was passed and there's going to be a lot of new cars on the field. Oh, sweet. Which means it's going to be quite competitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be spectacular for the sport. Well, I think it's a good idea in racing in, in general because I, th- I think um, F1 and Formula E should try and embrace each other in a, as a means to split costs. And I mm. think Formula One, if, if FE becomes really popular and they do it right, and I think they are they are heading in the right direction, I think they should their owners should be developing and driving that electronic technology, and F one should be able to uh, sort of pick off of them their electronic electronic <laughs> technology and implement it in their cars. Whereas F one will be heavy development on aerodynamics and things like that because at the moment they are a faster a faster formula. And so their development will be focused around that and combustion engines. And I think through that, you'll have more opportunity for other sponsors to come on board and split costs uh, across a lot of different companies and a lot of different manufacturers and have a mutual benefit for everyone who's involved in that ser- in that racing. Well, that's the thing too. If you're looking at coming into racing, there's some brands that I don't get, like Renault. Yep. Why are they involved in racing? What's what's their hero car the only Renault I ever see is the Megane or the Clio. Well, I think mainly it's just history now. They've been racing pretty much forever. So I think it's mainly a history thing. I think it's not applicable to the road cars now, but they do have a long history in it. So maybe but, it's like that. You know? The thing is, they've got other marquees under their yeah. brand. And which, I mean, they're not doing it seriously, let's be honest. Mm. They don't have a car, they've got an engine. So. But even if you just had... Nissan have got the GTR, uh, yep. as well as the Duke R and a few other nice yeah. cars. Let them go. Or Infinity, if you want the American higher-end brand. Yep. Um, you know, it just makes more sense to me. But yeah, I agree. To me, the the people that F one and FE should be targeting are probably the Korean brands. Because you look at what happened uh, back in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, Japanese cars were a joke. Yep. But uh, then Mazda went to Le Mans mm. and the endurance races. Uh, Subaru went to um, WRC and so did yeah. Mitsubishi, and they had. Great reputations. Even now, the Subaru WRX yeah. and the Mitsubishi Evo are two cars you'll see on the streets. Yeah, uh, they still 
get sold based on what happened 15 years ago in World Rally. Yeah, I mean, I think the only problem is it's not so much F1 approaching Korean companies as them actually wanting to get involved in Formula 1. Because at the moment, the costs are just way too high for, for small companies like, well, not small companies, but for attra- companies like that who are attracted to, to racing to get involved from, from the ground up. It's just it's difficult. Well, to me, targeting someone like Hyundai would make the most sense just because they've got sporty cars on the road yeah. and the halo effect uh, from having F1 involvement would be massive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'd be taken seriously, like uh, Honda, Nissan, Mitsubishi, Subaru, yeah. uh, Mazda and all those guys are taken much more seriously now. I mean, you look at the best-selling cars, they're all Toyota, Mazda. Yeah, um, it's just a matter of is that the best way they can spend $400 million in marketing? Yeah, That's what it comes down to. This is true, but if you've got a choice between Toyota or a um, Hyundai... Yeah. You know, which one are you going to spend your money on? Like, it's not just about price either. Because if you give me a, give someone a $16,000 car, yeah. but they can afford a $25,000 car, and Toyota got the $25,000 car, that's probably the one they're going to go for. Yeah. Uh, even if there's only a slight bit of difference, just because there's that perception of yeah, their quality. Exactly. And, you know, Toyota have earned that too. They make some fantastic cars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some of the off-road cards are unbreakable. Yeah. Well, the Hilux, literally. Yeah. But... Um, no, it seems if you were struggling to sort of uh, get involved, definitely Formula E is a good option. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll probably, yeah, I think Formula E is really attractive for them. I think they'll get into that. And even uh, but, Kia, um, or I, I wouldn't really think Tata and uh, the Chinese brands would be involved. Can yeah. you imagine Sanyong <laughs> or, or Great Wall? Yeah. That'd yeah. be kind of hilarious. But, uh, well, you never know. Maybe it could work out for them. But uh, Are you I, talking about getting into Formula 1 or Formula E? Either. Oh, okay. But uh, mainly Formula E, just because it's a bit cheaper. Oh, okay. So you're um, Formula 1. Yeah, and from memory, Formula E, it's still going to be involving the McLaren gearbox. Okay. Um, so that's going to be still kicking around. <laughs> so that's going to be advantage for McLaren. At least they've got some sort of money coming in. Well, yeah, that's quite true. Oh, so the other good thing, um, Marisha got a sponsor, Airbnb. Finally got one slapped on the side of their... Yeah, chassis there, so it's good to see they've got someone on board. Not completely blank. Yeah, it's a bit sad when you see the blank cars going around, so it's good to see someone jumped on board anyway. Yeah, it, I don't know that I'd bother, to be honest. Um, I mean, probably got a bargain, let's be honest. And well, here I am talking about it, so... <laughs> well, they've already made their money then. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the new constructors coming in. Yeah. Uh, and the rules being opened up a little bit more. Um, oh, it, it's going to be crazy the amount of hype Formula E is going to be able to generate next year mm, yeah uh, it, it's not going to challenge Formula 1 not immediately yeah but they can actually because they're not roped into one driver one car they could definitely have you know a, a team might have eight cars four drivers and alternate uh, just have one driver here one driver uh, there eight drivers four, oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Because oh, two cars per driver. Yeah, but it kind of takes away from your viewing perception of being able to follow a driver through a championship. Yeah. Makes that bit kind of shit. True enough, but you end up with a, a much uh, more unpredictable form of racing. Yeah, that's true, but I still want to have a driver to follow and, you know, someone that... Uh, how, I don't want to suck if your your country's or your hero from your country's fighting for the championship and you get sat out because it's someone else's go to have a drive. You still uh, want to see your drivers driving week in, week out. And plus, you don't want drivers sitting on the bench. No, I'm sure that sort of thing happens. I mean, they've got drivers on the bench um, at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
the one I follow, young Matthew Brabham, yeah. he has only had uh, two races, I think. Yeah. And I don't think he finished either of them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. The exciting thing about Formula E is that it is so open. Yeah. Um, there's so much opportunity everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's very efficient. It's a future technology. Um, the batteries aren't where they should be. Yeah. But if they can get that right and there's a lot of money going into making it right uh tesla motors are spending over a billion dollars on battery farms yeah that's right um they're using solar power to charge them so yeah. you know a, a very very low carbon footprint which is so popular at the moment hmm. but um you know get that right all of a sudden you've got you know 700 horsepower very light engine yep. uh, very light vehicle yeah and you've got some damn exciting racing I think it's mainly now just about establishing a foundation that's going to allow you to grow and open up development to the actual manufacturers, which is where they're trying to go. I think they're doing a really good job. I think they want to make sure that you're going to have a sustainable model and that it's definitely going to be heading the right right areas. And you don't want the corruption that's happened with Formula 1 to come into it where investment funds and hedge funds are going to come in and say, well, we can make a fuckload off this, so let's go for it. Mm. And you look at that, Formula 1, they're getting a new team in next season and they've opened up uh, an application for another one. But... Formula E have got eight new constructors coming in yeah. in their second season, yep. which is phenomenal. Yeah, um, especially it says they're doing a lot right in this climate where manufacturers are pulling out of, of um, series. And the other thing is too, they've got a pretty open slather on the motor and gearbox configs. So yep. some manufacturers are actually looking at having two motors. Yep. Um, they're not allowing them to split them to the wheels. So right, yeah. it has to be uh, two engines to two wheels, yep. not one engine to one wheel. Yep. Um, but it could be really interesting because you end up with sort of a turbo-style effect where you can have one that's a, a very punchy sort of low-end torque motor and the other one then through a clutch or something transitions to a, a more cruisy sort of motor that's better on your fuel, uh, your power efficiency. Yeah, I suppose it's different, all different sorts of options for um, having different functions on the two different engines and you can change your mappings to be able to exploit mm, mm. different sort of power deliveries. But uh, the, the other thing is too, you could just have one running and the other one silent to keep yeah. everything cool and yeah. efficient because that'd be a, a heat is a massive enemy of efficiency in electronics as well yeah. I mean you just got to try and play a, a game on your laptop in summer to see yeah, how much exactly. it slows down but um, yeah at the moment they're running a, a McLaren motor and a Hewlin gearbox and most of the teams will probably use that next season but with eight new guys coming in there's a yep. lot of money to be made just out of that alone just yeah. selling customer gearboxes and engines so I think you'll see a lot more companies wanting to get involved in Formula E yep. and that will generate its own hype yeah. um, I, I, I imagine if uh, people from the former Adelaide Grand Prix and even the guys that are running Clipsal 500 these days yeah. if they're not on the phone right now saying we want Formula E back in Adelaide yep. they're mad just because uh, with V8 supercars falling on its ass yeah. with Holden and Ford both fucking up elsewhere uh, it, you need a marquee thing and V8 supercars will still be around yeah. but it won't have that same Well, it's not uh, like a manufacturer's uh, series. It's going to be individual independent teams. Yeah. So I know the Ford dealers have actually got together and they're going to yeah, they funded. Mustangs. Yeah, that's I think that's sick. I think that's fantastic. That's the awesome. Mustang's a gorgeous looking car. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it'll match up, but you know, I'm yeah. sure they'll even the, hey. even the grid out. I'll watch. So. Yeah. But, but I, think, I think it's good that if Adelaide could get that race as well because their track's in a parkland. So mm. it kind of fits the, the MO of Formula E. Yeah. Yeah, and the Clips will race is a fantastic race to go to you know yeah. i've been to a couple and it's always a great day uh, yeah. especially because you get to see the youths racing and they're yep. always in the fucking walls yep but um 
No, I I would be shocked if there wasn't a FE race in Australia in the next couple of years. Yep, definitely. Um, especially as we were talking uh, off air earlier about Sydney Harbour, there was a, a talk about Formula One going across the bridge. Yeah. It'll never happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it simply cannot. Well, but, teams couldn't afford the toll charge for starters. <laughs> well, that too. But it's entirely possible that Formula E could do it. Yeah, yep. Uh, you don't need to shut down half the bridge, which you know yeah. is a massive thing for Sydney, but they've got the tunnels and the highways and everything as well. Exactly. Um, and it'd be just a spectacular race. And just for bang for buck for you know Sydney exposure across the world is awesome. I mean, you couldn't get a much better panoramic view of Sydney from the harbour. Well, here's the thing to think of. What major sporting event would you associate with Sydney worldwide? Um, I don't know. They used to do fashion shows? Exactly. You can't really think of one because Melbourne's got the Melbourne Cup, um, the Grand Prix, the Boxing yep. Day Test, uh, we get state of or- Open. We get State of Origin now too, so they can't oh, claim yeah. that. We go to that next week. It's uh, yep. supposed to be pretty damn good. Yeah. But um, you know, that's more an Australian thing. But yeah. you think of international level events. Yeah. What does Sydney really have? And I, I honestly cannot think of anything. No. I mean, no. they've got the... You know, the anything they've got, we've got something better. Like they've got you know, tennis tournaments and that, but we've got the Australian Open. They've got horse racing, but we've got the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, it, it's not viewed out of Australia. Yeah. Like, I can't think of a Sydney event that's viewed outside of Australia. It's probably an obvious one that we're ignorant. Two people just go, I'm sitting there going, you fucking <laughs> dumbasses. Are you serious? <laughs> fucking Melbourne people. Yeah, I, actually, actually, New South Welshman, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I just I cannot think of one. But having those cars travelling across the bridge, you know, Fuck it. They can do a lap around. They can go inside the opera house yep. if they need to. Yep. No. Um, it'd be brilliant. No noise complaints from all the well-to-do people around fucking the bays there? No, they wouldn't even notice. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's hard when you're high on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, so, you know, if any of you guys are involved in the Adelaide or Sydney racing scene, um, give someone a call, send someone an email and make it fucking happen. Yeah. Um, yeah or if you're involved in Melbourne, I'm happy to have it here too. Um, I'd, I'd go see it regardless. Yep. But, uh, yeah, get onto it, and hopefully we can get uh, some Aussies involved in it. I know Matthew Brabham's technically an Aussie, but I don't think he's been here much. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's hard to even know who's coming through the ranks these days. Well, there's that many Brabham's running around. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, that was pretty much the round. Yep. Another week down. So, um, yeah, a bit of a fortnight break now. Yep. Before we get to the double headers in London for Formula E and into... Uh, we go in Austria. Austria. The Red Bull Ring. Yeah, the Red Bull Ring, which, yeah, it, it, it's a decent track. Well, yeah, it's pretty shit. Let's be honest, it's a fast-flowing track with, you know, straight turn. Yeah, it. we're not going to see um, a lot except for if Ferrari are able to make yeah, up the gap to Mercedes. Exactly. I think if, if Ferrari can get their issues sorted out and they have, uh, you know, um, all things even, qualifying a race the same as Mercedes, they will be up the grid. But you probably won't see a whole lot different to the Canadian race. See, one of mine is actually on Bottas here. Yeah. Um, mainly because I think he's got this consistency. Yeah. And I reckon Rosberg's going to do his fucking nana and end up running into the back of Hamilton. Probably right. And uh, Raikkonen will probably have another spin. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the fast line tracks, so expect the Renault engine cars to suck again. Yeah, they'll be terrible. Wouldn't be expecting much from Ricardo in them. Yeah. Um, I wonder what will happen because Ricardo has gone from being subtly critical to being openly fucking irritated yeah. with the car he's got um, well let's be honest he's not the first person in Red Bull to be openly irritated he's probably the last one that's finally got there so yeah um, so you know what are they what are they going to do I mean they they can't really fuck him off well because... I'm going to shoot with him he hasn't been the most outspoken compared to any of them 
So I don't think it's no, 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 he's been as professional as he can be. Yeah, it's without, not even an issue without punching someone in the face. But um, no, I think I think it's going to be a tough couple of months for Red Bull. Yeah, I think they're giving up on this year to be honest. So it should be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, I don't think Renault's going to spend much money. That's the only thing. So if Red Bull haven't already stitched up yep. a new supplier, they bloody well better it very, very quickly. Yep. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, but the only one's really likely to go for them are Honda. Yeah. Yeah, or they get a new manufacturer in. But Which, again, to, they're going to be in the shit with. To get a new manufacturer, they needed them to have started last year. So Yeah, and Haas are helping Ferrari with theirs. Yep. So Ferrari won't be, won't be interested. Mercedes have already got all the ones they want. Yep. So, you know, unless they do it themselves, which... which they're not going to. Nope. They're pretty much going to be stuck with a shitty engine or a Honda one. Yep. And honestly, I think Honda would be better. Yeah, I think it is. It just depends on what Vito Powers McLaren have in their contract with not allowing Red Bull to um, have an engine because I know it's definitely an issue there was one of their concerns. It's just a matter of what the conditions of that contract are. But if you're McLaren and you can split the engineering feedback development, yeah. it'll speed up both teams. Yeah, but it's Red Bull. You don't want to give them any advantage whatsoever. No, but they've already got one. So, fuck it. I reckon McLaren got nothing to lose, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I don't agree. I think they should want to hold on to that Honda engine so they can see the potential. They don't want Red Bull to get their hands on it. Yeah, well, either way, we're going to see what happens. Yep. All right, so that's the round. We'll see you next time. Yep, bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.